Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. I'm an interviewer and a broadcaster. And what you're about to hear is one of the 1,400 interviews I conducted over a 30-year period for nearly all major media outlets in Ireland. But please allow for the fact that many of the interviews were done for the print media and recorded on cassette tapes. So some are, let's say, sonically challenged. But sonic considerations should give way to historical significance, I believe. And I'm glad to say that at least some powers that be in RTE Radio 1 agreed with me on this and broadcast between 2015 and 2018 many of my interviews in a series called The Joe Jackson Tapes Revisited. What follows is a programme I was going to broadcast in that series but never did. And this podcast differs in one major sense from all those shows. Look at it this way. Hot air blowing as this may sound on my behalf it actually was editor Niall Stokes who said in 1988 that I brought, quote, psychology to the hot press interview. I think he should actually have said psychological probing. Either way, that had always been one of my idiosyncrasies, and it still is. And given that Tommy Tiernan began doing on TV in 2019 the kind of psychologically probing interview I did with him in 2004, I reckoned that maybe fans of the man might find it more interesting to hear the tapes we did uncut, and minus my usual revisionist narration. I also decided to steal from an e-book I wrote based upon my interviews with Tori Amos, the phrase soul-searching and uncensored. I realised it applies as much to him as it did to Tori. But before I sit turning down in Joe Jackson's psychiatrist's chair, no, I'm not a shrink, but that was a phrase Nas Stokes used as a subheading for an interview I did. Let me say this. Near the end of the first half hour, when Tommy, who was born in Donegal and 35 at the time of this interview, and I discussed the nature of the religious calling that, well, called out to us both as teenagers, I suggest that part of this spiritual craving probably sits at the soul of my interviews. I now believe that the same is true of everything Tommy Tiernan has done or will do. Part two of this interview will follow in a week or so. If you want to read the original article that came out of this chat, check joejacksoninterviewer.com. And then I started doing stand-up when I was 26. But you also went into that second bout of therapy after becoming a daddy. Did yes. That, did that help? What was he or she? No, like? he was a nut. Oh, okay. He was a guy, I just read, he was a little ad in the Galway Advertiser, right? right. And he didn't, he didn't and you know, I think part of me didn't want it to work because I picked the guy who had no letters after his name. <laughs> so it's just oh, this guy. Right. You still uh, had that pen and monk on your fucking shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> I went to his, I said, I rang him up and uh, he said, uh, uh, yeah, come on out. And um, I knocked on the door of the address and these young fellas answered it, right? Oh, right, right? And he had hired a room. Absolutely right? <laughs> He'd hired a room uh, that was in a house full of young fellas. So he went up into this room anyway. And uh, I sat back in the chair like this, you know, and he was kind of gaunt looking, you know, and... Uh, I did about five, maybe six sessions with him, and then I just just faded away. But again, what did he did he did any of these give interpretations or guidance or did they help you get an insight into your character? No, no, they didn't. Right, okay, no. all right, no. They were just. Uh, I don't think they did. No, they, as you I, said, you kind of it's self defeating when you pick people who don't who you yeah. almost don't believe in before you walk yeah, in. Yeah, Then you can tell yourself, I fucking tried, and you didn't. Yeah, no, I didn't. No. You know what I mean? You didn't yeah. put the effort no. into it. No. But you, at the same time, though, I was existing on my own. I didn't have. Uh, yes. 
I didn't I didn't have a wise elder saying to me, yeah. what you need to do is no, don't go to this guy. Go to him. Well, where was your daddy? Well, my dad was in Navan, which is my dad. I, Why did you not phone him? Would you talk with you talk with them about that? Well, I talked to my dad about most of it, but I'd, uh, my dad wouldn't be someone who would be entirely comfortable with me saying I'm in therapy. Okay. Uh, but he, he, he would say, oh, well, the, well, the best of luck with it. Right. But, but he, he wouldn't, wouldn't sit down for a four-hour conversation. No, and also I was in Galway as well, which is the other side of the country, yeah. and I used, to, you know, I used to tell them everything was fine. I'd phone home once okay. every few months and stuff like that, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay, don't worry about me. Because right. um, you didn't want to needlessly worry them. No, and I, I, part of it as well, probably, I didn't probably want to address it. Because if I'd have told my dad, my dad said, well, what are you going to do about it? Um, right. So I was, you know, this Were you also afraid th- that your father, as mothers and fathers can say, was it us? What did we do? Did uh, we fail you? I don't think so, do, no. No, you, that, you didn't think that? No. I, no. I assume you knew they loved you. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, yeah so yeah. it wasn't that kind of no. original absence. No, no, no. You, no, no, know, you no. knew they did, you yeah. knew they were there. I think it was just I didn't, wa- I, I didn't want to have, uh, I wanted everything on my terms, and I didn't want to have a conversation with my, my parents about something which. It's like the earthquake I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of yearning for an earthquake, but I yeah. actually didn't have the vision to go through with it. All right, you didn't want to initiate it. Yeah. So I made, I made, I made all these false kind of starts, going to somebody who wasn't qualified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Were you doing a lot of drugs and drink at that point? No, no, I wasn't. No, no. no. Very little. I'm, I'm, you know, I had a brief kind of... Fling with... Dance in that bar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Until you tripped over. Uh, but that wasn't, you know. That wasn't uh, then. No, and even in when I was, you know. Galway, you weren't smoking your ass off. No, because I never smoked. See, if it had been a smoker, the whole dope scene in Galway used to be. Yeah, it was. It was a ten spot city. Yeah, absolutely. That's why they made <laughs> loads of people move there for that reason. But no, know? that wasn't ever. ever. Get away from the drug squad and dope. Yeah, <laughs> that was never anything that interested me. There, All right, okay. You know, so All right. Uh, so, how did you work yourself out of that mire? How did you get the focus? What made you say, I'm going to go for this? I'm going to go for what you're doing now? Uh, was it becoming a daddy and responsibilities? Probably, I have to get money. I have to get a job. Yeah, becoming a dad, place. and then as well, I think I worked with, the, with a comedy group in Galway called the Flying Pigs, okay. and we used to we used to do all these kind of half-hour comedy shows. Where in bars? In bars, yeah. Okay, as part of Galway Festival. Around? It's part of just the year in Galway. The place right, called the King's okay. Head. Right. Okay. And worked with them for a while, and then I just. But what gave you the original urge to do that? I mean, because in, um, who had you had you admired someone from afar who was no, doing that? No. Because I know you love and you, Vaughn told me you're absolutely into music. Absolutely, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. you didn't form a rock band? Can't sing. Okay. <laughs> Does that hold people go, back? What? No. I used to go busking in Galway. Oh, myself. Right. I don't know if you remember a band called The Judas Diary. Yeah, I remember the names, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we were, um, uh, the guys who were in that were, we all kind of lived together and I was the only one who wasn't in the band. All right, okay. And uh, what we used to do is I used to go busking with them. I could play, I could play two chords on the guitar and I could only play them at a certain tempo and in a certain order. All I right. couldn't go from that to that. Okay. But, so I had to go that, that, and I was soft to rest for a while than that. So that wasn't going to be your No, the, they had a 12 string guitar that they let me busk with. Right, and I had okay. a big, huge, long floppy cardigan and the long hair was back and we'd, we'd drink and then we'd go out in the street and stuff All like right. that. And I'd always right. be sure not to, because what you had oh, when, yeah. it, when you're busking yeah. in those, this is, I mean, in Dublin at the same time, the hothouse flowers with the Benzini brothers. Was That's it? right. Yeah, they were incredible. Yeah, so they were the they were king buskers. They were. Yeah. Now, now, what happens is when you busk is that you get other musicians, when especially when you're eighteen and nineteen, just seeing what chords you're playing. Right. So we'd have kids lined up in front of us oh, yeah. trying to watch the and I had not. I was, <laughs> You'd be hiding your two. Yeah. <laughs> they think you were trying to change <laughs> the guitar. Yeah. You're just hiding the fret. <laughs> Um, so you went for you went for this instead. Just tell me, it, it, what was the one thing that overwhelmed you about being a daddy? When you said I was overwhelmed by it, was it the 
sudden demands? No, looking they're, at a they're baby gradual, looking? no. So uh, what was overwhelming emotionally or whatever, spiritually or whatever? It's still overwhelming and I don't know entirely what it is. Do you not? No. Even yeah. on the third time, right? You, have you not come Yeah. But that first time, because a lot of people, I don't have kids, but a lot of people tell me the first time can be particularly daunting, challenging, overwhelming. No, I, I, it's a consistent I rushed thing. in like an idiot. <laughs> I had no, I had, uh, I had all the folly of youth on my side. I had no. All right. So you just um, weren't ready for the the whole scenario. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm more. Uh, I'm more aware of what it is now. Obviously. Would hope, would hope so. Would hope so. You've had a few years <laughs> yeah. in between. But, but yeah. I think at the time I was very much, uh, it, it was like being, uh, it was like a parallel universe had opened up beside me and I had no idea how to behave in it. I had notions, but I had no real... being a daddy. Yeah, but I wasn't really sure. But I, I loved it and I still love it. Did you love the child? Did you love your child the minute you saw it? Oh, it was your mean, first son, wasn't it? I, no. Above and beyond anything. Did you? Uh, that feeling when you first held or first looked at or first touched, kissed, whatever. It, it, no, it wasn't a thing that immediately happened. It was, okay. a, it was a thing that I... It wasn't like... Some people talk about you know, when they're there at the birthday. They and do, they yeah. try to, and this, yeah. That's not what happened to okay. me. Like this surge of absolute no. soulful feeling. No. I think this odd thing, this huge dislocation took place and I realised maybe six months later, that that's what it was. I realized six months later, oh my God. Right. You know. Yeah. This this is love. This really, you know. Well, someone told me, some woman told me that her, her partner only loved the child when the child uttered something that sounded like daddy. Oh, really? You yeah. know, that before then it was an abstract form and it was something that had come between him and the partner. Yeah. But when it said daddy, it was like, oh Jesus. And something just struck the man. And he said, now, and all the love came. Yeah. Then it was galvanized. So it's not anything you can predict. No, it's or that not. there's a pattern. No, it's not that a cliche. We all follow. No, it's not. You and it's not, I think sometimes people uh, expect to feel a certain way, and they think there's something wrong with them if they don't. Yeah. So they they lie, and they say, "Oh, it's the minute he was born." Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it definitely took me six months to realize what was going on inside me, and that. Uh, um, that the way you love your children, it is, oh, you are, it's like walking around with three or four open wounds. Okay. Right. You're, you're constantly. Like that you're aware of their pain, their sensitivity or what? Yeah, and that yeah. you're, you're, you're very easily hurt and you're, you're very vulnerable and you're very, uh, um, you know, it's like being, it's like being covered in, uh, in raw meat, you know, <laughs> it's a bit. You're hurt out there, are you aware that they're easily hurt? You're aware that they're easily hurt. You're aware of your own shortcomings. You're aware of how much uh, you love them and how much you want for them. And uh, you're aware of the, f the finality of life. You're aware of... Uh, uh, basically, you probably cast back to your own childhood as well. And, yeah. and you think what a, an amazing time that was. And, and uh, there's lots of stuff going on, you know. And, that becoming a father activates. Yeah, you know, right. and not all, you know, it's all, uh, it's all very beautiful. It's not very easy. No, it's not easy. No. And it's not always beautiful either, is it? Well, you get, you know, you go toe to toe with yourself sometimes and the best side doesn't always win. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when you're aware of, the, now this is only a kind of, this may sound superficial, you're aware of the sensitivity of your children, right? Yeah. If you and a DVD mock one daughter at 20 months of being the fattest, 
yeah, yeah, around yeah. the planet. Yeah. Or if you say of a son, I hope I meet him at the end of the tunnel for a game of pool. Yeah. Are they, is that enough potentially hurtful comments if their mates pick them up? Or the other yeah. one says, you're a fantasist, you're fucking walking down the street like Batman, you gobshite. Well, and you do well, not yeah, stop no. and say, I'm not going to risk this unnecessary yeah. hurt to them. Uh, or, or, or do you warn them or something? Uh, the, the, he's about to disappear into the tunnel out of adolescence and please God, I'll see him at the far side of the game. Yeah. That's the, uh, that, I, um, I, I'm fine, I'm fine with that. Okay, I, but I, it does sound like you're washing your hands of him and let the motherfucking deal with all his problems and I'll see him when he can play a game of pool and it's sorted. Uh, no, it's all more, right. it's more kind of like, uh, he's about to, I'll always be there outside the tunnel going, hello, and I'll be there when he reaches the end of it and I hope he'll have a game of pool with me. Okay. Rather all than, right. rather than him sending him off on a... On the Odyssey on his own? No, it's not that. No, it's okay, not good. That, no. All right. And the thing about the child who's only... Uh, when was this months. DVD made? It was made, it was made in April. But in the, April, the, okay. The, the, my daughter is much older than yes, that. Yes, so those, those comments, it, uh, you've no fear at all. They know enough about you to know you love them enough to know this is not really yeah. what they're saying. No, I am, I am, I am, I'm, tr I'm troubled about the line about my daughter. <laughs> I'm yeah, about being the fattest creature on the planet. Yeah, but it's a kind of a thing about a fat baby. I, I'm, I'm worried about that. I am worried about that. Okay, but, but, but yeah. you do have to be, don't you? Yeah. It's just like, you know, Charlotte, she did about Adam with you. Yeah. And she said, you know, when you do sex scenes, or the one for her that really upset the kids was when she was shot. Yeah. In, in a thing about dirty old town, a gangster thing set yeah. in Dublin, and they absolutely freaked when, and she hadn't thought of that. Yeah. When they're eight, watching their mother being her head being blown off by a fucking Dublin hitman. Yeah. You know, so you, I don't think we always think of the extended resonances no. of these things. You know what I mean? No. But you would hope to be sensitive to those those uh, um, possibilities that it might have effect. Yeah, and I, I, I might have fucked up with that line about my daughter. Yeah. I might. Yeah. Are they scripted? Or is that just this, this free free association with a vague No, it's never outline. scripted. It's never scripted. Uh, right. It's uh, it's instinctual. Okay, so blame the monk. Really? <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> I wasn't there that night. I was, I was in New York that yeah. night when it was being recorded. Yeah. And my twin, my evil twin, you went toe-to-toe -to -toe with yourself and you lost again. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me and how... the winner you, is. The winner is. <laughs> tonight's round. Uh, but then tell me how you kind of... Uh, this, 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 you still went on this quest, I mean, after becoming a father and being overwhelmed by it. You still had this kind of um, exploring Buddhism, exploring still Christianity. You still had that drive. Yeah. So how did that resolve itself? So, I mean, I, I mean, you know, in my, in my work now, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously drawn to some kind of rattling of the cage. Yeah. And, 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 and kind of maybe wishing we had wings. Okay, and that's what it's about, really. It's it's about, uh, and but you didn't start off with that kind of aspiration when you started doing the work. Well, the you people started I breaking be, through. No, the people I was drawn to were definitely like, um, Lenny Bruce. Okay, uh, I used to I had, I had this Carnegie Hall concert on tape. Oh, Lenny's. Yeah, it's great. Isn't it? Yeah, but I, that I didn't understand. I I there's so many bits that I couldn't great. get, and I just, I used to listen to that every night going to bed. Over and over and over again, and and I just the lines of what is he? Done? All right. So and I I was, I think I liked the I I think I, I liked what Lenny Bruce was. And I got into Lenny which Bruce, was what though? What was it which about? Which is a kind Lenny? of a, a kind of an outlaw comic, yeah. intellectual, yeah. Uh, a kind Pum of punching hit. sacred cows. Yeah. For all that stuff and the hypocrisy of the church. Yeah. I mean that was Jesus. His stuff about Cardinal Newman or whatever it was yeah. back in 1960 was amazing. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You know, kind of even listen to it now and you're going. He said that in New York City. Yeah. You know, so it is great stuff. So he would have been one of the guiding factors, one of your angels. Yeah. Even even though I'd know 
technically, I wasn't sure how he was doing what he was doing. Or right. I liked the idea, and I found long bits of the tape boring, but there was something I was very right. drawn to. And I still am. I just only last week in New York, I bought a six uh, CD box set of his that's just been released. Um, All right, okay, I must get that. Uh, it's called Let the Buyer Beware and it includes interviews and, and bits of his stuff and uh, um, so those so, so so where he was coming from was where you aspired to go in certain ways in a way I, I guess but he was I'm, all, no, I'm always I'm, 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 the types of art experiences that I love are ones which are which raise the hairs in the back of your neck which somehow take it to the next level or what, what, whether it's it's an unusual you get that a lot in religious speakers, you know, they, they, you know, they, they're able to just, uh, kind of spark your head, yeah. you know. Uh, but I've always, you know, um, there's just you know, great bits of music that send the, that's, that put the hairs up in the back of your neck. There's a few Bob Dylan songs, there's, um, there's a few U2 pieces, and I just, they, that's what I want to do. I want to have an. I, I, I'm not interested in being on stage and just making people laugh. That it has to be some kind of, even if it never makes it, it has to lunge towards the transcendental. It has to make some kind of a grab. 99 times out of 100, you mightn't reach it, right? right? But every now and again, you might, there might be an idea, there might be something that you just, you flick it open and the night becomes, people are aware in the room, there's something else going on here. This isn't just laughter, there's something. There's a bit more uh, there's a there's a something parallel has been opened and we're all the better for it. And that's what the that's ultimately what I what going on stage is about. It's about trying to now the great thing about comedy is, right, is that you can't afford to get self indulgent because the audience will stop laughing. So it's it's as good for me. Because I can, you know, I have all these notions and stuff like that, and I can come across in interviews as if, you know, I'm more notional than actual. Yeah. And, uh, but on stage, because you have to make people laugh, because you, because there's that democracy and there's that guillotine of expectation, it has to be something that somebody from from one part of town with very little art in their lives, and somebody from another part of town who lives surrounded by pianos and paintings that they both can get and say you, you hit it on the head and the yeah. only way to do that is if it's not self-indulgent and utterly that's, that it's an utter communication that there's no pretense that it's all that's all real and that's what it's about and the, the hard thing about it is is that it has to be dressed in laughter that's the really difficult thing that you know that's the um uh, it's like you know it has to be dressed with laughs it has to be but there has to be those two layers going on all the time that's what that's yeah there has otherwise to you're just telling jokes having your show on our two Sunday night called in the right it was to be called in the right spirit yeah and lunging towards the, the transcendental is exactly what it's about yeah I will only play music that sends out something that might yeah. Up the back. yeah from any era any generation any Stalinese don't give a fuck as long as it gives listeners that's some sense of the transcendental yeah and i think that's how your original religious yearning is still manifesting itself yeah. i think it's great that you found a forum yeah where you can put form to it put a form to it you know and it may sound profane to some but i know i can hear what you're saying 
you know, that you want to do that within within the comedy. parameters of, of, of comedy. And it's... But did you, you didn't identify that from the start and say, I'm going to work within this medium this way. Or did that evolve? Did that slowly come to, I can take people to other levels, I can. I always knew I had an ability as a speaker. Okay. Um, I remember we had it, we were, myself and uh, Hector Hukavan were yeah. mates in school. And we were on... It was about 10 to 15 minutes, yeah. We were on the same, we were on a debating team in school. And uh, we reached the final of this North Leinster competition. And I was the first speaker, Hector was the second speaker. There was a guy called Sean Gaheen, who was uh, a direct a relative of Peg Sayers, right. who was the third speaker. And I got called Michael McGrath, who's now a priest in the Vatican, who was the fourth speaker. And what way it goes is the captain gives a short speech, second speaker gives the longest speech, third, fourth, and then the captain gives a summing up speech. So I gave my speech, and I met a guy that evening. And this is probably this is why, the way I work. In, in terms of the things aren't incredibly prepared. I met a guy, we met at about five o'clock that evening, a guy called uh, Sean Cronin. He was older than us, and uh, he was uh, very, very clever. And uh, I said, I have this finals. And I was doing it that, I mean, well, other guys would have written their speeches, uh, been, but mine still wasn't there. I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna say. And he said, here's, here's a good line. He says, uh, the opposition will soon know how the Israelites felt when the walls of Jericho came a tumbling down. And I'm 15 now. I'm amazed that I remember it. That was the line. And he gave me all these other lines like that. I said, excellent. So by the time my summing up speech came came out, I remember the, uh, the guy chairing the debate uh, was just about, and now to, to, to sum up for the B team, um, and the, the motion was uh, that Thatcherism is bad. I remember Scott saying to Hector, watch this. And I remember getting up on it because I knew even though my speech was, there was very little about Thatcherism, it was filled with all these fantastic poems. Oh, the Jericho. And people loved it. Right. So, I, I, so you knew you had that energy and that I ability. I knew I had that kind of from, ability from. To, to guff it up, you know. And it's, it's, about, it's about, those moments on stage then are fantastic if, if, if you know. Which they happen ill frequently. They don't happen. I mean, they will happen once every. Joan Rivers told me that's what she would aspire to do. It would happen once every ten performances, maybe. You're lucky if you get that connection with the audience yeah. where you all float but it's or funny, go somewhere. Yeah, it's funny. It because more. I because I see the show all the time. I'm less impressed with it. Okay. Than people who see it for okay. the first time. All right. Um, a friend of mine, and I just is a friend of mine, Owen O'Neill, who's a stand-up. Uh, we were talking about this one time, and we were saying about how, you know, even though you're doing very well, if you're not in love with it, right. it, it, it doesn't matter what your reaction is. He said he was gigging in Toronto, and he'd done this show about giving up drink, and it was a great show, and he received great things all over the world, and stuff like that. And he finished the show in Toronto, and he, ta- he said, thank you for yourself, me, good night, and the audience gave him a stand ovation. And he left, went into the dressing room, he slammed the door, and he said, Canadians, what the fuck do they know? <laughs> All right, okay. You know? So yeah, 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 yeah. But I, it is once every, once in every 10. You'll get that. That, that and it's amazing. And nobody yeah. knows exactly what it is, or it's not even, it's not even particularly funny, but there's this just energy that inhabits the room, and you're, you're the top of the hose. Yeah. And you're spraying everybody, and we all get just lifted by this great. But there was talk of you giving things up at 40, the Buddhist kind of thing, and just wandering off into the business. And you're not going to do Leonard that, Cohen's are you? Thing. 
religion and some book that says uh, the Buddhist philosophy at the age of 40. Yeah, yeah. I'm only five years to go yet now. You have, yeah, okay. Wouldn't it be great to, to have those kind of... But you're not going to do it because you're addicted to the silver spray, the hose and the... You never know, you never know. Everybody's capable of doing something that shocks their friends. Alright, okay. Do you want more kids? Would you have more kids? Uh, or have you had enough? Is that it? The experience is finished? Yeah, uh, yeah. Would uh, you? I think so, yeah. Despite the fears or the kind of... The yeah, don't tell, tell with yourself and all. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Kids are great. So, so you're not, in any way... I wouldn't go and just me, I think. But not yet. You're not going no, for that. I know. No. Would you do it live on telly? No. All right. The, the question about if if somebody is driven to lunge towards the transcendental, does that mean? Now this is only a tangential question. Does that mean they'll never stay in a relationship? They're always looking for something higher and something better, even within love. Uh, I'm not asking you why you no. left a relationship, yeah. but are you always driven within? to go higher, to aim higher, to get the same hit out of love. But sometimes aiming higher can be uh, staying with the same person. It can be? Yeah. So that's your answer? That's my answer, yeah. Is it? Okay. So you don't feel you're ever pushed forward to kind of just move on Um, in terms of love and romance? No, I don't don't think so. I mean, I... uh, I certainly don't enter into any relationship with uh, uh, fleeing in mind. Okay, do you enter in with faith? When we have failures of whatever nature, we can, our faith can be chipped away. Our romantic hearts can be corroded. Do you still have those faiths and those beliefs and those...? Um, but, uh, uh, this, I, I won't talk anymore, but this is the one thing I say about, about the thing is that I think when you go through a breakup, you're forced to ask yourself a lot of questions about uh, what type of lover you are. Not um, lover in the, not in the physical sense, no. you mean yeah. person who loves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What are your shortcomings? Um, uh, why has this relationship failed? Um, and what people what to expect from love. And I think when you go through a breakup, they're the questions that, that's what you have to face up to. And none of us, I, very few of us ever get um, the right answer back. Very few of us ever come out of it with a sentence that's, that can explain anything or that can justify or that can even, you know, you, you can't nail no experience can ever be properly explained in a, sen- in a sentence. Right. You know, uh, properly, and uh, because it's got so many, it's like a, it's like an octopus that goes off in many different directions. You know, and I think that. Uh, well, that, that's all I say. That, that's well, then at the end of the day, would you describe Tommy Turner as a loving person? If he had to, if he went through a period of, of reassessment, reevaluation, like, that's, can you look? But even that, even that makes it sound like it, like it's a. Uh, Something like it's a business thing that, you, that the, the company's uh, going, the, 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 the company is liquidated if you can't love. Yeah, you know what I mean, and that you're kind of well. How do we move on with the future? It's, it yeah. isn't ever, uh, you know, uh, um, I can't. I, I can't even but you can't answer the question about whether you feel you can love or not. But I, I don't want to. Oh, do you know? No, because I, 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 you brought this subject up. That's why I read it in that Sunday Times right. interview about the ability to love or not to love. 
you know, and this is what, if you're exploring Buddhism or whatever, yeah. what is at the core of Tommy Turner? What's at the core of me? And we aspire towards having the ability to love, fundamentally. Well, I, used to, I used to have this line in the show a few years ago, which was, um, uh, I can't remember how, it wasn't even a funny line, it was, uh, do you ever uh, be walking down the street and just get, have to, have, and have to sit down because of these feelings of overwhelming love that you have for humanity? Yeah. And that's the thing that I imagine everybody happens to everybody. You suddenly have these huge waves of genuine, uh, <laughs> uh, non-committal love towards the human race. Right. I, 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 I don't think right. talking about you because I, I don't feel as if I can, I, I, I can't think of a... Of a so it's the only uh, question that fails you is the question of love, isn't it? Still. It's the only question that's fails you in the 60 minutes we've been talking. Well, do I love other people? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes, if, I do love other people. Yes, I do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you love your kids. You, I asked you that earlier. I mean, if yeah. you love your children, you, you do yeah. to a, a, a deep degree. That's the easier question to answer than am I a loving person. But same thing. Yes, I, I, I love lots of I love lots of people. Okay. Do you love Tommy Turner? Um, because as you said, and that's the part of the joke that's to me okay. the truth, it, it has to start here. Yeah. Why do you know, it, yeah, if, you know, if you don't, and I've always said this to friends, you know, first, it sounds like a really egotistical thing, but you must first love yourself before yeah. you can give up that heart and soul to somebody else. I just have to believe it. So do, does Tommy Turner love Tommy Turner? Who's going to love who else he loves? Or is that part of the journey? Is that the journey? Is that the essential quest? Um, and that is the last question, Tommy. You know, yeah, I'm, I must do, I think. I don't know. A lot of rumination before the answer. Yeah. Isn't there, though? Yeah, well, I'm, not, I'm definitely not... Uh, I'm not planted. Do you know what I mean? It's not a, it's, it's not a definite declaration. It's... Uh, I have a hunch that I love myself. <laughs> <laughs> Aspiring towards loving oneself. Okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> That's so bad. Hi, Joe Jackson here again. I thank you for listening to this edition of the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast. More can be heard on my website, joejacksoninterviewer.com.